Hello and welcome back to The Killer Kind. We are in a series I decided to call Killer October. If you didn't check out the first Killer October episode, definitely go check that one out. But today we have a brand new episode and brand new case for you. A high school student goes missing after a Halloween party. He's your all-American teen that everyone said had no enemies. So what happened to him? This is the unsolved murder of James Adamski. James Adamski was born on July 18, 1964, to the parents of Bernard and Rosemarie Adamski. He grew up in the town of Chictawaga, New York, with his three other siblings. He was essentially the middle child, with two older siblings, Larry and Susan, and one younger brother, Andy. He was close with everyone in his family, but he was particularly close with his younger brother, Andy, who idolized him. James let him tag along whenever he could, and he would often offer to babysit him when his parents were out. Andy said James would put him on the handlebars of his bicycle and let him ride around with him. James was also just the nicest guy in general with everyone. So he was a pretty popular guy at DePew High School where he was a senior in the fall of 1982. A former classmate said that he sat in front of her in one of their classes and he was just a funny guy, always making people laugh. And yes, he was a nice guy, but that didn't mean he wasn't a little rowdy as well. He and his friends found out about a local bar hosting a Halloween party, advertising a pay once and drink all night type of event, meaning you basically pay a set amount and then drink however much you want. Now, at the time, the legal drinking age was 18 in the state of New York, and that's exactly how old James was. So he and his friends were excited to be able to legally drink on Halloween weekend. The party was actually taking place on Saturday, October 30th. Since Halloween was on a Sunday that year, most people were celebrating the holiday on that Saturday instead. Most of the neighborhoods were planning on handing out candy and trick-or-treating on that Saturday the 30th, including younger brother, 8-year-old Andy. And in the last episode, I mentioned the more popular Halloween costumes of that year, So I thought it'd be interesting to find out what costumes were popular in 1982. And apparently it was Raggedy Ann for the girls and E.T. inspired costumes were popular for the boys as the movie had just come out that summer. I'm pretty sure I was Raggedy Ann one year for Halloween. I I don't even remember how old I was. I was probably like eight or nine. So that one stayed popular for a while, even though It was kind of creepy looking back at those costumes. But anyways, back to our case. So Andy said the last time he saw his brother was at their home that Saturday night. James was getting ready to leave for the Halloween party. And Andy said that he bent down and kissed him on the forehead and said, have a good time trick-or-treating, kid. He said it will never forget that moment for as long as he lives. James walked out the door and headed to the bar 5 and 23, which is on the corner of Transit Road and Walden Avenue in Depew. Now, there is very little information about his time at the bar that night. And honestly, there is very little about this case at all. But I will give you the best timeline of events as possible. So stay with me. 
So we know James arrived at the dive bar, and it's unclear if he rode with someone or if he just walked there, but either way, James, who was dressed in what he called an American gigolo costume, and some friends all met up and hung out at this bar. And apparently, the night went off without a hitch for the most part. They were all drinking and dancing and having a good time. However, at some point, James's friends leave the bar without him. Not exactly sure why they did this. There's really no explanation from what I could find. I'm sure police have this story, but they haven't really released much about this. So either way, but I don't need to say it again, do I? I will (laughs) never leave your friends alone. Never leave them regardless of the situation. We can only speculate why James didn't leave with his friends. Maybe it was to stay and hang out with a girl or the fact that maybe he wanted to continue the party and his friends didn't and they couldn't convince him to leave with them. But even if you can't convince your friend to leave, take one for the team and stay with them. Just make sure they get home safely. It might be annoying or frustrating, but you never know. You could be saving their life. Okay, my rant's over, I promise. So James ends up staying at the bar until around 3.30 a.m. And he is seen leaving with a young woman whose name, again, not released. But the two start walking up Transit Road towards James's house. However, the two parted ways at the corner of Transit and Broadway. James continued walking on Transit, and she went down Broadway. Now, a local police officer told future investigators that he saw and spoke to James Adamski that night at that same intersection. I couldn't find anything that mentioned what the two talked about, but we have to assume that James was at least coherent enough to speak to a police officer Even though he was of age, if you're like super intoxicated, it's probably a little nerve wracking to talk to a police officer. But either way, he was obviously plenty capable of making it home that night if he was able to have a conversation with the officer. If he had appeared very intoxicated, then we would hope that the officer would have driven him home or driven him the rest of the way home or hopefully made sure he made it safely. But sadly, that was not the case here. When the rest of the Adamski family woke up that following morning, they realized James never made it home that night. Andy later said when his brother didn't come home that night, their mother knew something was seriously wrong. He said James was very respectful of their parents. He never would have stayed away all night without telling them. So Rosemary had to make the call that no parent should ever have to make. She called the local police department and filed a missing persons report for her son. The Lancaster Town Police, along with volunteer firefighters, spent weeks searching for James. Detectives who took on the missing persons report interviewed friends and family, and many of his friends recalled being with him at the bar that night. They said he did drink pretty heavily that night, and at one point, he did get into a drunken altercation with someone else at the bar. However, it's quickly resolved and all was well. Obviously, police follow this lead, although I can't really find, once again, any information about it, but basically nothing comes from this story, and really nothing comes from these interviews at all. 
other than it's completely out of character for him not to come home or at the very least let someone know where he is. Weeks end up going by. Thanksgiving comes and goes and so does Christmas and the family is obviously heartbroken and desperate for answers, hopeful that they can find James alive. However, their nightmare gets worse when on Sunday, December 26th, two rabbit hunters in Lancaster, New York, find human remains in a shallow grave. It was determined to be the body of James Adamski. He was found still wearing his Halloween costume. The grave was off to the side of Ransom Road in a wooded area only about four miles from where he was last seen. James appeared to have been beaten to death. Detective James Robinson of the Lancaster Town Police said he was beaten with a blunt instrument. The medical examiner determined that the cause of death was blunt force trauma. He had several wounds to his head and forehead, as well as bruising on his body. The murder weapon was not found at the scene, and it was hard to determine what the weapon could have been. Based on wound patterns, the medical examiner said it could have been a baseball bat, a 2x4, or tire iron. Now, as I mentioned, they didn't find the murder weapon, or much evidence for that matter, but they decided to take, quote, the freshly broken twigs and debris covering the shallow grave that James's body was found in and test it for DNA or fingerprints, hoping they could get something from this. However, the tests were inconclusive. And keep in mind, this was December in New York, so the killers could have been wearing gloves. Now, struggling to find any clues leading to who would have committed this brutal attack, dozens of people who knew James, including friends from Depew High School, former girlfriends, and people who encountered him at the bar that night, were interviewed. Again, said Joseph Gill, a state police bureau of criminal investigations investigator. They did circle back to those at the bar that night and focus more on them because when they first spoke to everyone, again, this was a disappearance case, not a homicide. So now it's completely switched. So they wanted to talk to these people again, hoping to pick up on something maybe they didn't before. They did realize that there was a group of guys that left the bar around the same time that James and that girl did. It's unclear if anyone in that group was who James might have argued with that night or got into it with, but they were ruled out as suspects pretty quickly. Plus, those involved in the altercation with James were ruled out again as well, with investigators saying the altercation at the bar was not related to the murder. So, there you go. And this case is frustrating because there were a couple of times where I saw investigators mention they were keeping things from the public, like supposedly a couple of things found around James's body that could lead to the killer or killers. Now, I understand not releasing certain information. And if you don't understand why they would do this, it's so that they can keep these things in their back pocket to prove who the killer is. Because False confessions happen all the time. But also, let's say they talk to some guy that was at the bar that night, and they find out that he's wearing a Nike Air Max shoe size 12. Okay, I'm just making something up. And police know that a shoe print matching that description was found at the scene. Well, then they know they have their guy. 
or at least someone that was there. But if they put that information out to the public saying they know the killer was wearing this type of shoe and this size, well, then that guy can just go ditch his shoes somewhere and make sure they never find out that he even had those shoes. Or you have somebody, again, falsely confessing to this crime and they don't wear a size 12. They don't own a Nike Air Max and they're trying to say that they were there, they were involved, da 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 Well, not true because we know that somebody there at the scene was wearing this size shoe. And you get what I'm saying. Hopefully. (laughs) Again, I totally understand why they do this, keeping things from the public. But it's also hard for people like me or anybody to talk about a case when you don't know what they have. Now, we do know there are theories as to what happened here. And so according to police, they believe that at some point after the young woman was with him and turned down Broadway and after James spoke to that police officer and continued down Transit Road, somebody picked James up in a vehicle. Transit Road, from what I can tell, is definitely a kind of main road in that part of town. So I agree. It's highly unlikely that the attack took place there on that road. So investigators believe that James either got into somebody's car willingly, meaning it was somebody he knew or at least recognized, or he was forced into a car and was driven to the more remote area off of Ransom Road. It's not clear though if that's exactly where they feel the attack took place or not. Some speculate that the attack took place somewhere else and then his body was taken and dumped into the shallow grave, which is what I personally believe. I think the attack had to have occurred somewhere else, but I have no idea where that could have been. Sadly, the case ends up going cold and is still unsolved to this day. Andy said that Rose Marie was never the same after James's death. She became overly protective of him, not allowing him to stay out past dark and no longer allowing him to ride the school bus. She told him that she feared whoever killed his brother would come after him or anyone in the family. And in even more tragic news, Bernard Adamski passed away in the year 2000 and James's mother passed away five years later neither of which knowing who killed their son. In 2016, Lancaster Police Department decided to try and shed new light on the now cold case by offering a $10,000 reward for anyone with information leading to the person or persons responsible for James Adamski's death. One year later, the Buffalo Crime Stoppers added an additional $1,000 to the reward money. A few years ago, James's clothes were sent for DNA testing. However, the results from that testing either haven't been completed yet or at least haven't been released to the public. However, Detective Robinson said they are still working on the case. It is still considered an open investigation. He said someone knows something. In an interview back in 2016 with the Buffalo News, he said that we hope that someone reads about this and remembers some little detail that helps. Maybe they were never interviewed by police and they should have been. He said maybe they were scared to say something back then. In 2016, Andy was in his early 40s living in Buffalo, New York, 
reiterated in that same Buffalo News article that his brother's death was devastating to his parents and his older brother and sister. He said, My brother was such a good person. He loved Halloween, loved having fun with his friends, and he was the type of person who would give you the shirt off his back just so you could have a shirt. State investigator Joseph Gill said that he wishes James's parents were still alive so that he could tell them they were still working on the case. Andy said that he appreciates the work the police are doing on his brother's case and that he knows that if they do find out what happened, it'll be hard for him to hear the truth, but it's even worse not knowing. Anyone with information about the murder is asked to contact Crime Stoppers Buffalo at 716-867-6161. Tips can also be submitted anonymously via the Crime Stoppers website or their app. You can also contact the Lancaster Police Department at 716-683-2800 or the Erie County District Attorney's Office at 716-858-2400. All of this information will be included in the show notes as well. And that is the conclusion of the James Adamski case. What are your thoughts as to what happened? There is obviously speculation and theories surrounding this one. Some say it had to have been a random attack. Others think it had something to do with a fight at the bar. And some people think that it could have had something to do with the girl he was seen leaving the bar with. All of which are good theories. It's hard to believe for me that it could be a random attack, honestly. I mean, yes, it's absolutely possible. I mean, there are serial killers out there all the time looking for their next victim. And sorry, I just finished watching the Dahmer series, so that's like all I can think about. But seriously, anybody could have committed the murder. However, I personally believe it was somebody who was angry at him for some reason or another. What that is, I'm not sure. His friends and family all said he had no known enemies. He was just not that guy. He made friends wherever he went. However, we know he clearly got into it with someone at the bar and maybe they took it too far. To me, though, if you beat someone to death, it's out of sheer anger and rage against that person. And that type of anger usually doesn't just happen unprovoked. So I believe it had to have been one of the guys at the bar or somebody who didn't like James leaving with that young woman. There is nothing I saw that mentioned anything about this girl except for the fact that she was cleared as a suspect. So I'm literally grasping at straws here. But what are your thoughts? As always, I would love to know. So head over to the podcast Instagram page and leave your thoughts on today's episode post, or you can always DM me there and we can chat about it. And because you never know who is listening to the show, if you or someone you know has information about this case, even if it's something that seems so insignificant, please call one of the numbers that I gave you or go on Crime Stoppers website and leave the tip anonymously. What could it hurt? But that'll do it for me this week, guys. I'll be back here in two weeks for the third and final Halloween episode 
where we'll finally be covering conspiracy theories. So this is your last call for sending me any conspiracy theories you want me to talk about. It'll be my first episode like this, so I have no idea how this is going to go yet, but I am excited. So come back in two weeks to check that out. Until then, stay safe as always. Bye.